Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Word of God for our meditation this morning is our first reading, Proverbs 9, verses 8 through 12, is printed in your bulletins and already read. Dear friends in Christ, well, you're wrong. How do you respond when somebody tells you that? When someone tells you that you're wrong to believe what you believe, wrong to plan to do that thing, wrong to have done that other thing, wrong to say what you said, wrong in your memory about what happened, wrong in your understanding of the facts or situation, or just plain wrong to be who you are. Well, of course, no one likes to be wrong. No one likes to be warned or to be corrected, but how you respond to such criticism says a lot about you. Not just about your temperament, but about how wise you are. That's what Solomon tells us in these verses from Proverbs. The mocker, the scoffer, The self-righteous and the self-satisfied resent the very idea that they might be wrong and you might be right. So they hate a rebuke or warning and the person who gives it. And they learn nothing, gain nothing but anger and anxiety, and lose love, respect, and good relationships. The truly wise person, though, welcomes a rebuke or warning and advice, and teaching, because he or she understands that there is always room for correction, learning, and growth. Still, wouldn't it be nice to be, to to actually be right all the time? Actually right? Not just confident that you can't be wrong? Solomon here reminds us that there is a way. This side of heaven, we will never get all the way there, but we can get a solid start. The key is what we are told in verse 10 of our reading, which is really the theme of the entire book of Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's not just a slogan or one of those truisms that we all nod in agreement to but never quite engage with. This requires some important things, and we might as well begin being right with being humble. Does that seem contradictory? We're kind of programmed to imagine the humble never daring to assert that they're correct and and that others are wrong, and to imagine that, that those who insist they're right are never actually going to be humble. But the two things are not in opposition to each other. Far from it. In fact, humility is necessary for true wisdom. Because if wisdom means that we see the world as it really is, then that has to start with seeing oneself as one really is. Yes, there is a certain irony to the fact that the path to wisdom includes admitting that you're not as smart as you think you are. Even if you're an Albert Einstein or Martin Luther, a Marie Curie or a Hedy Lamarr, and few of us are, 
there is more that you don't know than that you do know. And a fair amount of what you do know isn't even right. There is no harm or shame in admitting that. And in fact, doing so gives you the opportunity to learn and improve your knowledge. That's especially true in spiritual matters. Our sinful nature likes to convince us that our experiences and our opinions are just as authoritative as anyone else's, including anything God might have to say in Scripture. But our puny human brains and our less-than-a-century lifespans hardly give us an opportunity to even scratch the surface of knowing all the things of, of the Spirit, let alone mastering them. On the other hand, God, God is eternal, and God created us and all the universe, which gives him a breadth and depth of knowledge and experience so far beyond even our imagination that to compare our mortal wisdom with his is pretty much ridiculous. Read chapters 38 to 41 of the book of Job sometime to find the Lord himself powerfully making this comparison, beginning with the question, Who is this who spreads darkness over my plans with his ignorant words? And putting Job and us in our place. Any time that we might presume to judge God and his decisions or dare to assert that we are actually in this moment, in this situation, smarter than he is. But that's not all. To get to being right, you also need to admit that you're not as good as you think you are. Again, our sinful nature was to work against true wisdom here because they tell us that we're basically good people and that whatever we do or say, well, we have good reasons for doing or saying. And when we're convinced that we're all right, then we're uninterested, perhaps even hostile when anyone, even God himself, dares to suggest that maybe we're not so good and should feel guilty about what we do and say. But the reality that we must admit in order to get better and be better is that we are by nature not good but corrupt and that all our choices and actions are tainted by sin, not infused with righteousness. God's law which we have nicely summarized in the Ten Commandments, shows us our sins of idolatry, unbelief, disobedience, disrespect, theft, hatred, selfishness, self-satisfaction, abuse, coveting, and so much more. And we will not be rid of our guilt against these and other commandments until and unless we confess these sins and our utter inability to make up for them or somehow balance them out. And then, in further humility, then we turn to the Lord and trust that He is the only one who can make us good because He is the only one who takes away our sins and makes us righteous. 
We cannot do it ourselves. He must do it for us. And in Jesus Christ, He did and does. The sinless Son of God gave Himself as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And on the cross, He made an exchange. He took from us our guilt and all the wrath and punishment it deserved, and then gave us His own righteousness and holiness. All the good that He did in obedience to His Father, and all the sinless perfection of His life. When we put our trust in Him, in His suffering, death, and resurrection for us, and not in our own abilities or goodness, then we are made. Not just better than we were before, but made truly and wonderfully, completely good with a righteousness that comes from God, not from us. That's why Solomon here can call a humble person who is willing to learn righteous already. Because it's not his or her own righteousness that identifies or motivates him. It's God's. And with that humility, we trust the Lord for all things. For, for our salvation, first and foremost. But also for, for guidance in life. For truth in all things. For his blessing and care through all things. And for eternal life in heaven at the end. Since he is both powerfully able to do all these things and lovingly willing to do them, trusting in Him is smart. It is truly wise. But in so many, many ways, it is just the start. Because there is always so much more for us to learn and know. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now fear, fear of the Lord does not mean that we are terrified of Him. That wouldn't make sense when we know Him to be a loving God who did everything so that we could be with Him forever in paradise. But fear does make clear that, that He is not just some kindly grandfather figure in heaven who, who smiles at everything and never gets angry or judgy. To fear the Lord is to respect Him and to treat Him and His words with, with awe even as we love and trust Him with, with a healthy appreciation for God's power and the consequences of defying Him thrown in. We are happy to have Him on our side when we consider what He is capable of doing to those who oppose Him and fully justified in doing. Now the Lord that we fear is the one who identified Himself to Abraham and Moses as I am. The God of free and faithful grace, full of love and mercy, without beginning and without end, who blesses those who love Him. But the Holy One that we get to know also has no tolerance for sin, rebellion, or unrighteousness. 
and brings judgment on those who continue in unrepentance and reject him. If we think of God as only one or the other, only gracious or only angry at sin, then we don't really know him. Yet we gain understanding, not only from knowing who the Lord is, but also and essentially from learning what he says. What he says about himself, about us, about the world, about our salvation. He speaks to us in his word. Which means that we find the right answers to life's questions in the Bible. Answers that may stand in opposition to our own preferences or to the world's opinions, but are nevertheless correct and wise because they are the Lord's answers. So this is our beginning. There's not much need to say more. If, if we want to be right, and we do, we deny ourselves and we start with knowing the Lord. Start somewhere else and and you will never arrive, no matter how hard you try or what other knowledge you might acquire. Whether you have a high school diploma, a bachelor's or a master's degree, or a PhD, whether you attended a community college or an Ivy League university or just self-taught, the education that really matters is the knowledge of God. It matters. Not just in the end, for getting into heaven. But it matters also for today. Because this wisdom and understanding is a blessing for us in every way. And it's even a blessing for the people we live with and love. Because knowing the Lord and beginning with all of this understanding makes us not just wiser, what makes us better. So get a start on being right all the time. Know God. Trust God. Listen to God. Follow God. Imitate God. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Amen. Please rise. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, to God, who alone is wise, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen.